The Raw Rugby World Cup Podcast. The Raw. So to say the referee favoured one side over the other, I think would be uh, probably a black mark. So I hope you got a better question, mate. Maybe you should sit next to Christy for a bit. Get a bit of uh, intellectual. So I've taken Eddie's advice and I'm sitting next to Christy Doran, who is the rugby editor of The Raw. Christy, what was all that about? Tony Harper, good to join you here in Paris. And I'll tell you, leaving that press conference, the Wallabies test unveiling today, I felt like I had a bit of a target on my back. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It's You never really know what's going to go on with Eddie Jones because it was barely a month ago that I was told in response to a question regarding Carter Gordon, if you don't need a, if you don't know anything about rugby, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And yet here we are, we're talking to you. But, I mean, we came out of that press conference today with a clear sense that you were Eddie's pet. Are you getting that kind of a read on, on it as well? Not at all. And, <laughs> and you're sitting there nervously going, oh, how's he going to respond to this question? What's his reaction going to be? But... This is classic Eddie Jones, isn't it? You don't know what's going to happen. World Cup's around the corner. So many unknowns. Eddie Jones has broken every rule under the sun heading into a World Cup, but here we are. Well, look, you were talking to me a bit earlier today about going to the Moulin Rouge and how it would cost 300 euros to go and see a performance like that. Like We saw Eddie high-stepping his way through a press conference today for absolutely free. I mean, how good is the, how good is this guy? His box offers entertainment. It's probably one of the reasons why Hamish McLennan and Rugby Australia were keen to get him on board of the of the Wallabies campaign, not only now, but certainly in the next few years. But it's all about 2023, the city of love, Paris. We're all here. You're fresh off the plane. We're going to be probably giving a few insights, not hijacking any kind of show over the next month or two from Harry Jones and, and Brett Mackay. But... How good is it to be talking rugby? Well, I mean, it's great to be talking rugby. It feels like we're in Townsville at the moment. I mean, it doesn't look like Townsville out there on the street, but it definitely feels like that. I've just had a very, very muggy experience today uh, coming from the uh, perfect climbs of Wollongong, uh, south of Sydney, Australia, to to some a scenario I wasn't really expecting. Uh, we did uh, many, many steps trying to get to Eddie's press conference today, uh, but it's been... You know, it's it's great to be here. It's a, probably 15 years since I've been in the city of love and to spend it with someone who's so loved by Eddie is you know, it's a great experience for me. <laughs> oh, you're having a laugh now. But <laughs> it's 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 awesome to be here because it's been there's been so much that's happened in the space of eight months, hasn't there? There's been a, a coach speed, acts brutally. Thanks very much. We've had our first training camp of the year, but you're no longer there. Uh, but Five test matches deep. It all starts in two days' time with the Wallabies coming up against Georgia and 24 hours before that, the All Blacks and France, the tournament hosts, where we're going to break it down. A little bit of analysis, a little bit about what's happening in France, try to bring the listener into what they might have experienced if they were in France, but hopefully going forward what they might experience if they come and visit this amazing country. Yeah, and, and we've got to say up top that uh, the Raw Rugby podcast, thanks to um, Harry Jones and Brett McKay, has become quite the juggernaut over the last uh, couple of years. It's going gangbusters. Um, 
they produce a fantastic podcast every week. They'll they do instant reactions and and by you know, uh, Christy and myself uh, feel a bit like the midweek team on on a tour in the early days when they used to go on a Grand Slam tour and play uh, the second stringers midweek. And that's uh, we're going to be here to fill in the gaps between those two giants of the podcasting game. Um, they will be back with their instant reaction podcast after the Wallabies matches and with their regular time slot. But how how cool is it to be able to come in and and um, give those guys a bit of a rest and come off the bench for a, for a change. Well, they all talk about the bomb squad, you know, the finishes now. I feel like well, we're certainly not finishing, but hopefully we're going to continue this journey. Over the next seven weeks, it's the start of a long, long campaign. Mm, I'm a bit bomb-shaped at the moment as well. We've had a few uh, celebratory beers as we've reveled in the press conferences today and, and just being here in, in the city. Hopefully, I can get my step count up and get around. What are you looking forward to most outside of rugby? It's a good question. What am I looking forward to most? Probably dabbling in some of the champagne. I'm a big champagne drinker. And I'll tell you, I've just been in St. Etienne for the last week, which is where the Wallabies bases throughout the pool stage and and that's a much quieter city it's hang on eddie said there were three thousand people and uh more people at the training session than they get at melbourne rebels games which i i found a little controversial it was hilarious because carter gordon was sitting on his left <laughs> shoulder and he's probably thinking he's not wrong to be honest but um shout out to all those down at the stockade it is a a completely different environment that they've just stepped back into. Like that is a, it's a small city. It's got a phenomenal stadium there. Went and had the privilege of watching a football game down there, and wow, the 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 fans are passionate. Uh, the shirts are off. Um, the sun doesn't set until about nine, quarter past nine, half past nine at the moment, and this is the first week of September. So. It's hot, it's warm, and they've come back to Paris and there's people everywhere and it's completely different. You've buses, trains, metros, uh, advertising all over the place of this Le Bleu side, which is uh, uh, has a lot of expectation heading into the first time they've held the World Cup since 2007. They are one of the favourites and they'll be on show first up. Yeah, you can sometimes come into a city this fast and with an event on and for that event to be lost, but it doesn't appear that that's the case here. It appears that the country is really excited about it, about to happen on their doorstep. And we were out at the stadium today and what a magnificent venue that's going to be to, to kick this off. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to imagine, you know, a stage as grand as that for, for an occasion such as this. Oh, absolutely, and and it was two weeks ago that the Wallabies had a great appetizer to what the main event is going to be when they went down forty-one seventeen to to France. But there was eighty thousand people there, and I can tell mm. you, I've been to Lansdowne Road and Dublin and Cardiff and packed houses in Australia. I've seen the Melbourne Rebels play. You've seen <laughs> you've seen the Melbourne Rebels. I was down there for Super Round actually yeah. earlier this year, but it's. It is an atmosphere like I hadn't heard in a long time. And, yeah, we cover games all the time and match reports and you get to live and feel and breathe and hear the energy of a crowd. But I hadn't experienced anything like that. And I had a few tingles just running up my arms. And I know that several of the Wallabies have commented on that too. Mm. Like that It was a, a loud festival, carnival kind of atmosphere that was about to embrace this big, long party and Eddie Jones actually even touched upon that following that 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 game that defeat. 
but it was a really good first experience for the Wallabies to get a grip on, wow, what's it like playing in front of 80,000? And I know that they did that down at the MCG, 84,000 with the All Blacks, but this was something different because it was daytime footy. It was warm. There was a tiny bit of like almost a sun shower throughout the game, but they felt what it's like uh, to hear the French one by one named. And it's not just the the uh, PA person over the mic reading out the team. The entire crowd, you have 80,000 people that yell out the French players' uh, names from 1 to, to 23, and it really just gets everyone so excited for it. Yeah, that's um, – look, I, I, we're going to get to the team news in a second, but before we do, Australia is going into the tournament with the youngest squad. It's the youngest squad uh, that – that Australia has put forward at a World Cup for 20 years. Do you think that this atmosphere has a, a it could potentially overwhelm this young squad, or do you think, like Eddie has picked them because perhaps they go in with no fear? I mean, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to wonder whether there's advantages or disadvantages to such youth in a squad. And Eddie wouldn't go there with that question today. But how do you think that that will impact our fresh young faces in that team? We've actually spoken about it a couple of times in, in the past. Some of the people that Eddie Jones engages and talks with, the Craig McRae's of Collingwood, uh, the Mikhail Arteta's of Arsenal, those two guys had extremely young, overhauled teams and had extremely young rosters. The, the Collingwood made a uh, prelim final last year, one of the favourites in AFL this year. Arteta's Arsenal came Yeah, through. they were the youngest team, second youngest team in the Premier League last year, youngest now that Southampton's been relegated. And, and succeeding beyond expectation. And and Eddie Jones has this incredible, incredible network of people that he taps into. And I don't know if it's a trend worldwide, but it seems like it. the idea of youth not having that fear of performing on the expectation does seem to be something that Eddie Jones leaning into and he's embracing it. And if you if you listen to people like Carter Gordon, I had someone tell me the other week that before Quade Cooper was sensationally axed, Quade Cooper would be very process-driven. He would talk about processes. I heard that Carter Gordon wasn't bothered about the process, just wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And it was it kind of told a mindset, I think, of what Eddie Jones has tried to move away from and totally move into, which is get rid of the 15 years of baggage which has been hanging over Australian rugby like a dark, thickening cloud mm. and bring in these rays of light like Carter Gordon in his mane of hair. Can they win, though? Well, not yet. Yeah. They haven't, but they can. And I think I was at a, a function on Wednesday evening and you had just touched down. You decided not to go, but it was at the Australian Embassy and it was quite hilarious. A fairly dodgy view from all reports. Yeah, dodgy view. It's right over. I don't know how the Australian Embassy landed upon this amazing bit of territory in Paris uh, right by the Eiffel Tower, but it's 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 hilarious because Michael Hoopo, there's a huge, huge shot of him on the on the side of the wall <laughs> and it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but... Uh, the the embassy did ask and try to get that changed once the news came through that he wouldn't be there. But can they win? Eddie Jones said sometimes you actually have to go backwards and you're expected to go backwards when you take away and you remove all these pillars that have been in place to go forwards. It's a great expression in football at times. You've got to go back to go forward, isn't it? But that's what Eddie Jones is hoping. Can they do it? I think they can in the short term. They're playing Georgia first up and then, 
a Fijian side ranked sixth, the Welsh side struggling, but has World Cup history on their side, tenth. Uh, Portugal, who probably about 15th or 16th, but could be 25th, it wouldn't really matter. They're going to beat the Portuguese, aren't they? So can they win? They they have a good build-up leading into a quarterfinal, should they indeed progress and things go on track. The Rugby World Cup on the Roar. Okay, so bouncing out of that uh, chat around the the age of the team, Eddie Jones today replaced the 27-year-old Andrew Kellaway with the 24-year-old Ben Donaldson. This is a story that you, of course, broke in the lead-up to that. And, uh, I mean, not only has he gone and brought the average age down a bit, bit, even a bit more, but he's really thrown another, you know, wild card in there with bringing in a player who's trained mostly at number Ten and and who would most people would consider as a fly half into such a crucial position, his third fullback since coming back in what's going to be his sixth test. Talk me through it, the analysis of why he, why you think he's done this and whether you think this is a the right move for him to make. Every bit of evidence suggests that Ben Donaldson should not be the Wallabies fifteen for this weekend. Oh, great! And and yet here we are. <laughs> and look, it, it is an extraordinary decision and I described it as a bit of a bombshell selection call because you're replacing Callaway who's experienced people have floated as a possible captain or has leadership material and potential and was talking and addressing uh, the side at various points, notably I think against the All Blacks in Dunedin and, uh, and he's a solid player that runs great supporting lines. A guy unlike the Unlike Tom Wright, who's a bit rocks and diamonds, Kellaway seems to be safe, someone you can depend upon. And uh, for a side that's gone through a huge transition, you would have thought maybe Andrew Kellaway is one of those almost certainties. No, Eddie Jones has not even put him in the 23. He can cover outside centre, the wing spots. Ben Donaldson, as I say, there's not much evidence suggests that he should be there. You go through not just this year, but last year. He uh, was probably fortunate to go on an Australian A tour, but that's a development squad, isn't it? And did okay without, I think, being exceptional. Misses a conversion on test debut. The Wallabies lose to Italy. Uh, shortly after, a couple of tests later, he starts at 10 against Wales. The Wallabies are being smashed by Wales midway through the second half before uh, Gareth Anscombe goes down with injury. Noah Lolisio comes on, the game turns, they managed to win. He hadn't played a, a minute of test rugby from the, you know, the first four tests of the year, and that was off the back of someone who struggled throughout super rugby, started off originally at fullback, moved to 10 with the injury of Tane Edmund, returned to fullback for their quarterfinal defeat, and yet... Very little evidence, uh, minutes under his belt, and he finds himself in a huge pressured situation in a relatively unfamiliar position within this team, and he's been given a huge responsibility and potentially even the goal kicking. Well, one thing he does have is Eddie's confidence because he picked him in his first quarter of the year, and I remember that story going up on the roar and people getting stuck in on that. That uh, I mean, so many people thought that he shouldn't have it was the then. first question I asked of yeah. that training camp in April. Yeah. What's Ben Donaldson done to be to deserve to be there? It was and it was followed shortly by Suli Bunabalu. But yeah. 
even still, who's also in the twenty-three, who, who's going to be coming off the bench, yeah. and to be fair, probably justified that he's in those conversations given his performance against France uh, in late August. But in the last twelve months, both of them have come out of the clouds; like they were written off and and gone, weren't they? I mean, the, Donaldson even left his his state team; they surplus to requirements. So the background to that is the Waratahs have got. Tane Edmund, uh, Will Harrison, who's been injured for some time, and a young Jack Bowen coming through the ranks, 20-year-old Judy Wallaby, a good young player rising through. So Ben Donaldson's a fourth 10, can play 15. They don't want to break the bank, the Waratahs. They don't want to spend more than $200,000 on this guy. Rugby Australia was keen to give him a top-up. The Waratahs weren't prepared to meet that bill, and as a result, he has to go and find another club, which is the Western Fours, who I think he's being looked at as a fullback. But it, it tells another story, doesn't it, that this person wasn't even wanted by the Waratahs, his childhood club, Randwick Jr., and had to go elsewhere, yet Eddie Jones has picked him. Do you think if Carter Gordon had landed half of his kicks against France that, that Callaway would be at fullback for this match? Quite possibly. But I also got a text message throughout the, the week saying... Uh, and this was three days before, two days before the squad was announced, Callaway was seemingly on the outer. Mm-hmm. And I'd also heard that Max Jorgensen was pushing and firming. So uh, I wasn't hugely surprised when I found out that there was going to be a change at fullback. Um, maybe Ben Donaldson was slightly more surprising, but given his uh, ability to goal kick, not that he's a great goal kicker, he struggled kind of, in that 15-metre line, particularly first kicks of, of games. Um, but it's another string to his bow and it will alleviate and hopefully relieve a bit of that pressure for Carter Gordon. And, and maybe Carter Gordon doesn't kick. And you know what? It's probably the best thing for him because he's 22. It's a huge amount of responsibility for someone not just to be leading a side around the park in their first World Cup game, but then also to be goal kicking. You know this, maybe no one else does, but I'm a massive Callaway fan. I think he should be the Wallabies captain, and I know we disagree on that, but I love his, uh, every time he talks to the media and how he presents himself, how he speaks, and I, I think the leadership potential there is quite vast. But how do you think someone like that would react to this situation, having, you know, come back past Tom Tom Wright to to get in there for Bledisloe and... Um, to play against France, to, to be dropped at this point? Well, Andrew Kelly does question. He does ask questions, and mm-hmm. he's a thoughtful, considered person, and that's reflected in your response there. But Yeah, I like the thoughtful ones. Yeah, and, and, and he is. Uh, he's also experienced a lot in rugby, the highs and the lows, and this will be another tough moment for him. But Eddie Jones does curious things, drops players mm. when you think they're undroppable and sometimes selects <laughs> them when you think they're unpickable. Yeah. And, and Every so, week. <laughs> but he's looking for a response, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. And I think that's actually what he likes from a player is how they respond. And if they do respond well, then much more likely to get picked. And if they drop their bundle, they're out. Good yeah. luck coming back ever again. All right, so any other surprises in that? selection for you in the 23 what, what what else do you make of that score i think the pack picks itself the yeah. wallabies had to win this there's a couple of risks when you've got Taniella tupo and angus bell and not that much mm. underneath them let's be honest not much underneath them and the rest of the pack though uh strong um if you hear eddie jones one of the, it can be a, a world cup winning pack um 
I think Samu Karevi is an interesting one. I, I've been told, and I got told this before the team was announced, that Samu Karevi would likely only play 40 minutes. And that's probably because they're managing his return off the back of a hand injury. Now, Eddie didn't talk about that today, nor was he asked about that, other than the fact to say he's ready to go. But those three, Tupo, Bell and Karevi, are the three most important for the Wallabies. It's, it says something about Eddie Jones and how much he wants to win this game and needs to win this game, that he's rolling all three of those guys out against an 11th ranked side. They need to be primed and ready to go against Fiji because you win that, you win those first two, you're pretty much sewn up, haven't you? Rugby World Cup on the Raw. It all adds up to something really fascinating, doesn't it, against Georgia? Because this is a match that Australia should comfortably win and needs to comfortably win to, you know, to get this World Cup up and going. But there is this like sense of trepidation hanging in the air. This maybe not, you know, maybe that there are too many changes. Maybe they haven't prepared enough. Maybe this 0 and 5 becomes 0 and 6. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think the Wallabies win this. You know, I know that the Wallabies have been 0-5, but let's put it in context. They've lost against South Africa and Pretoria, a place Australia's never won at uh, against the box. Two matches against New Zealand. They lost against Argentina off the back of a five, six-day turnaround. They're better than what uh, the record stands and suggests, and they've been pretty good at stages over the last two or three test matches. I think the Wallabies will win by... 20 points, anything more, great. But the reality is all they need to do is win. And it, and it really doesn't matter by how many. You just hope that there's no injuries. No injuries. And uh, speaking of injuries, there have been a few for France and a few for New Zealand. That's an incredible match to kick off a World Cup. Where, I mean, how do you think that that lines up? Who do you see winning that one? And do you think the impact of some of those injuries on both sides, you know, will it have a big impact? Well, it was fascinating when, when Eddie was at this... Uh, embassy last night on, on Wednesday evening, he spoke about the absence of Jonathan Dante and the inside centre. He missed the first couple of games of this year's Six Nations and France struggled, didn't necessarily always lose, but they struggled. He returned and they put 50 on England at Twickenham. Now, I know that people were beating England all, all over the place, but nonetheless, still pretty hard to do. He's a huge out, huge blow. Paul Williamson as well, the guy described as being like a Will Skelton-esque uh, with, the, with the meat in the middle. I think those two injuries will be too significant for France to, to, to beat the All Blacks. New Zealand clearly didn't. They had their minds on the World Cup when they came up against South Africa at Twickenham. I wouldn't have read too much into it. The Wallabies have been throughout this preseason kind of getting flogged up until literally last Saturday and even in the days leading up to that match against France. So I think I think New Zealand will come out of the blocks quick, early, probably win, but France, I expect mm. them to go so deep in this tournament. And when you have guys like Dante who are only going to miss a week or two come back, he'll make the world of difference. Cool. So over at theraw.com.au, you'll find uh, Christie's exclusives and you'll uh, find me bashing away there as well. We have a lot of team news. So most of the teams for week one have, have lobbed now. We're still waiting on a couple. Um, but if you head to the website, you will find all that team news there. Make sure you jump in and leave comments on all our stories. We love those, absolutely love them. And that's what we're here to 
to live for. My uh, highlight of the week, actually, we were seeing Spiro Zavos um, give his preview of the tournament. Uh, that's the first column he's written while I've been editor here. So that was that was a great touch for for me. We are powered by ASICS. We have in place a wonderful partnership with ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier for the Wallabies. And their superb Wallabies Rugby World Cup playing jersey is available to purchase in-store and online at asics.com.au right now. Christy, are you going to go on that website right now and buy that shirt? Are you going to go to bed? Or are you going to go and do something else in the city of love? I'm powered by ASICs. I'm definitely <laughs> going to go do something in the city of love. Probably not that, but I'll, I'll be having a wine and, and catching up with a couple of old colleagues. Well, it's 10.44. Do you reckon we get a drink in this city at 10.44 p.m.? I think we'll be okay. We'll manage. Yeah? Powered by Cronenberg. <laughs> something like that. I'll catch you very shortly. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. It's been a hoot, and we'll be back very soon. Oh.